Hi, Dylan from None Dare Call It Ordinary here. Before we begin today's episode, we wanted to present a message from former co-host Forrest and true friend of Brent and myself, true friend of the podcast forever. We discussed how he was on leave indefinitely kind of earlier this year, but he prepared a message for all of our listeners. And so we want to just let him speak for himself. Let him put this message out there in his own words. Hello, this is Forrest of None Dare Call It Ordinary. I regret to announce my official resignation from the podcast. I have thought about this long and hard and have come to the conclusion that it is necessary. I do want to make clear that this does not come from any friction between myself and my co-hosts, Dylan and Brent. This is purely due to personal reasons that are wholly independent of the podcast. Brent and Dylan are the best friends a guy could ask for, and I am eternally grateful that they welcomed me as a co-host with open arms. I'm very happy that I was given this opportunity with None Dare Call Ordinary, and I sincerely think this podcast serves some kind of vital function in its time of intellectual toxicity. As the public's faith in experts corrodes, crackpot conspiracy theories go mainstream, anti-intellectualism becomes fashionable, and both far left and far right become living parodies of themselves, I think that none dare call it ordinary is above all something of a public service. In this time of the 24-hour news cycle that feeds off of clicks and outrage, we're exposed to all kinds of wacky things, but without any context, you're only left with confusion and outrage. You cannot understand, for instance, how a living cartoon character became president of the United States without also understanding the conspiracy movements of the far right, and in some instances, the far left as well, that gave birth to him. Our show covered and continues to cover these movements in depth and, once you understand those movements, you are better equipped to make sense of what is simply foggy anathema within the clickbait news cycle. I'm convinced that the only way to defeat gibberish is to expose it as gibberish, not pretend that it can be argued against or reasoned with. And in part, that's the mission statement of this podcast. Debunking nonsense is a contradiction. You can only point and say, this is bullshit, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. So, though I am leaving the show personally, I will still do everything I can to help Brent and Dylan get all the help they need to combat the forces of idiocracy in these dark times. So, please go to patreon.com forward slash ordinary and become a patron. If you can allow these two to focus on the podcast full time, they can become all the more effective in helping restore some semblance of sanity in an insane world. Thank you to everybody that supports the show. And thank you, Brent and Dylan, for being such great and supportive friends. I hope to appear from time to time as a guest on the show in the future, and perhaps I will still once in a while do video and graphics work for the podcast. Until then, goodbye, and thanks to all of our listeners and supporters. You really are making a difference. And from Brent and myself and all of None Dare Called Ordinary, we love you, Forrest, and you can come back on anytime and shill whatever cryptocurrency project you're involved with. But now, on with the episode. Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs out of the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. 
I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is the beetle-ish Brent. Oh, thank you. That's because yeah. of uh, the way I look, right? I kind of look like an insect. Yeah, you do look a little bit yes. like an insect. You got the six legs. <laughs> My hair is getting out of control. Yeah, the hair is a really gross looking like antenna, <laughs> a proboscis, if you will, something, yes. something along those lines. Yes, uh, nice. Also, besides you, besides announcing the fact that you are part of uh, the insect world, which uh, may be mm-hmm. a shock to some of our listeners, we also have another announcement. We have a new patron, Roger. Uh, thank you so much for your patronage. Yeah, We've been seeing you around the Discord, which I always love. Mm-hmm. And this is a good opportunity to remind everyone that for $5 a month, you can support us at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary. You'll get access to our weekly episodes and also access to the special patron Discord channel yeah. uh, where we make fun of all the other non-patrons. <laughs> uh, no, we no, we don't really do that. That's that's a lie. That's a lie. We love every single one of our listeners. So, Dylan, what is it we're talking about today, then? Well, the real reason I called you a beetle had nothing to do with, hmm. you know, you being an insect. My appearance. It had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with the fact that today we are talking about the Paul is dead conspiracy. This is something I'm sure many of us have heard about, but it turns out Paul McCartney of the Beatles. He died a long time ago. Oh, I thought thought this was going to be some sort of like Apostle Paul is dead thing, which I think was verified. So I was confused, but okay, I'm glad yeah, I, I know. am. Yeah, St. Paul, I okay. do believe uh, we he's been dead for several thousand Common years. knowledge there. Okay. Uh, yeah, I believe so. <laughs> and today is actually a very special episode because today's episode was not written by us. Yeah. Today's episode was actually written by my fiance, Kelsey. So we thank you so much, Kelsey. Thank you. She's been doing uh, this research for quite a while. She dug up some really fascinating elements that I was not familiar with when it came to this case. So again, uh, thanks. uh, Praise be to Kelsey for writing the, uh, the, the bulk of this episode. We wrote the jokes (laughs) though. So uh, we're not gonna, (laughs) we're not going to put that on her. We're not going to put that on her. All right. So how did this all begin? Well, the theory that Paul McCartney died started in Detroit in 1969 when WKNR DJ Russ Gibb took a call asking if he could verify that Paul McCartney had died. The listener asked Gibb to turn on the White Album's Revolution Number no. 9, a piece of music concrete or sound collage that begins with a clip of an EMI studio engineer repeating Number 9, Number 9, Number 9. As requested, Gibb played the song backwards, and you can hear it clearly. Turn me on, dead man. Turn me on, dead man. And so this is beginning to think maybe Paul is dead, but the other explanation is that that EMI engineer had certain predilections in the bedroom he only felt comfortable expressing in this very cryptic <laughs> manner. But, you know, we, we can't say do your own research. Yeah, we. if you guys remember, we briefly did cover this in the backmasking episode. Just just like barely, but yeah. But anyway, I, I actually really love the idea anytime any math teacher ever has said number nine, they've really said turn me on dead man backwards to their students. So oh, that's, yeah. um, that's a nice uh, thought there. Yeah, every math teacher is uh, <laughs> committing a felony. Um, I, right. I believe is, is really the number nine at all costs. Exactly. Go with eight. Listening was University of Michigan student Fred Labor, who published the theory in the Michigan Daily in the guise of a review of Abbey Road. McCartney dead. New evidence brought to light. Quote. 
Paul McCartney was killed in an automobile accident in early November 1966, began Fred Labore's article, after leaving EMI Recording Studios tired, sad, and dejected. McCartney was found four hours later, pinned under his car in a culvert with the top of his head sheared off. He was deader than a doornail. Wow. So gruesome. Yeah, I'm glad they I'm glad the article did cl- clarify that he had died after that. Yes. After the, the decapitation. Right. The mop top, the mop top, it just came right off, I guess. It's horrible. Labor's article offered over two dozen clues. Much of that evidence comes from Beatles album artwork and songs from Abbey Road going back to Sgt. Pepper, the first album after Paul's death. And we're definitely going to go over some of those later on in this episode. For example, look closely at the Abbey Road cover. It's a funeral procession. John the Priest in white leads, Ringo the Undertaker behind him, Paul in a black suit and bare corpse feet with a cigarette in the wrong hand, and George in denim, the gravedigger at the end of the procession. In the background, behind the funeral procession on the crosswalk is a white Volkswagen with the license plate LMW28IF, which stands for Linda McCartney, widow, 28 if alive. Okay. There, there's also a black truck. If you look at the same album cover, if you look at that, it's hard to find. We just zoom it in and you'll see a license plate that reads SYO724F. Um, those mean nothing, uh, absolutely nothing, unfortunately. But oh. the fun, that's the weird thing. You just skip that. But fun fact, guys, there's a Rolls Royce half sunk in a pool on the cover of a Oasis album. I think it's 1997 called Be Here Now with the same plate. Oh. It seems, yeah, besides being a really bad band and a bunch of douchebags, Oasis may have something to do with Paul's death. We don't know, but <laughs> that seems um, I feel that in more ways than one Oasis has something to do with the death of the Beatles overall. <laughs> uh, so I think yeah, that theory, more, I think that theory checks out. One, yeah. <laughs> so the issue of the Michigan Daily that had this article, it sold out by noon and the article was picked up and distributed across the country. Good. And this is where. The Paul is dead conspiracy begins with the Michigan Daily. So go Michigan. Yeah, go Michigan. Here is kind of the canonical story, the canonical Mm -hmm. conspiracy, if you will. You know, as we're going to find out later in this episode, there's always weirder versions of this. But this is the basic story. Okay. Driving home from the studio late one night along the dark road leading to his country estate, McCartney crashed his Mini Cooper, which decapitated him, as we mentioned before. And of course, there were no witnesses. Hmm. As a result, John, Ringo, and George decided to spare the rest of the world their unbearable grief. A world without Paul, the cute beetle, would be chaos, <laughs> a mass hysteria that would bring a wave of teen suicides and riots. So they found a lookalike, an orphan in Scotland named William Campbell. They fine-tuned his features with plastic surgery and subjected him to Beatles programming. <laughs> So imagine that scene from A Clockwork Orange uh, where Alex has his eyes pried open, but it's just the movie Help. He just watched the movie Help for like 48 hours straight. I just hope you eventually get a William Campbell solo album eventually. He can be able to come out and, and just do his own album under his own name. That'd be nice. It'll kind of be like when Chris Gaines finally, you know, went back to being Garth Brooks. It'll be something oh, as you know monumental yeah. as that, if you remember. So, yeah, to to go along with that, I think Paul McCartney should host saturday night live and then the musical act 
could be William Campbell. Yes, that's, that's a great idea. Because I feel like the statute of limitations for any <laughs> crime involved would have to be over. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really. I would love a breakdown of all like the crimes. Like, let's say this is true. Like, yeah. is that a crime? Right, right. Like, I don't know, like, if, because I know he's yeah. British, so he doesn't have a social security number. I don't know if he got, it's a long story. But yeah, I would love, if there's any lawyers mm -hmm. in the audience, please let us know how illegal this is. <laughs> I want to know the list of crimes that William Campbell committed, yeah. and I want to know if the statute of limitations is Doesn't over so that he could yep. finally come out and finally just admit. I mean, another possibility, though, is that he actually doesn't know. You know, that oh, Beatles true. programming might have been so yeah. deep that he actually just thinks he's thinks Paul McCartney. Thinks he is Paul. Yep. That could be true. Yeah. Now, let's get on to the, the fun bit, the clues. The truth. So, for the fans ready to know the truth, mm -hmm. the Beatles broke the news gently, embedding clues in their albums and on the album artwork. This is their strategy. You know, they, they didn't want to just, you know, come out and say that Paul had died. They wanted to avoid all the riots. But they also felt some of their fans were more adult were more mature, and so they left clues that only the more mature audience members would find. And this is the story that these folks tell themselves uh, to pretend that they're really smart. They started on 1967 Sgt. Pepper's, the first album post-Paul. Begin with the cover, where the Beatles stand over Paul's fresh grave, their mourning contemporaries and ghosts at their back. Comedian Issy Boone's open palm hovers over Paul's head in benediction. The hand thing shows up repeatedly in Yellow Submarine and Magical Mystery Tour artwork. Some argue that this open palm above the head is a symbol of death. The fact that it is not a symbol of death in any culture, notwithstanding. Yeah, maybe he's just trying to shield his face from the camera. Maybe, you know, he was put on the Beatles Sgt. Pepper's cover album against his will. I don't know. Yeah, especially but. I feel any, you know, if you were walking behind the Beatles in any circumstance, yeah. the flash... Oh, it just yeah. gets so blinding. Right. That you, ah, geez, God. can you wait? Can <laughs> I just try to cross the street? I just want some fish and chips. Paul is the only one directly facing the camera. The others turn into him as if propping him up at their feet. Paul's base outlined in yellow flowers has only three strings to symbolize the three surviving beetles. Either that or a roadie is about to get fired really quick because you can't just leave three strings on the base. Well, I don't know. You know, maybe Paul just decided to go metal. You know, you only need mm. one string to drop D tune. You know, let's. I, I mean, really, if Paul decided to go metal, you need no strings because you can't really hear right. the bass in most metal That's music. Right. So just yeah, exactly. <laughs> just pretend at that. It's a wall of noise. Continuing with the uh, Sgt. Pepper album cover, Paul is the only one holding a black instrument, a clarinet. Mm. And he's wearing a patch on his costume that reads, or at least looks like it reads, O-P-D, officially pronounced dead. It was actually O-P-D, Ontario Provincial Police, a souvenir uh, he got from Toronto. But I think maybe Paul got another souvenir from Toronto, his own demise. He oh died in God. Toronto, I think. Oh That's what God. this really means. <laughs> Actually, I think it may read OPP. Uh, maybe Paul was just down with the naughty by nature, you know, before they never existed. But um, uh, yeah, uh, you know, Paul McCartney song that is. Paul McCartney is down with the OPP. You've heard it here first, folks. The Sgt. Pepper album cover also features Aleister Crowley in the back 
And this is probably one of my favorite bits. There is at least one person, one Paul is dead theorist who thinks Aleister Crowley is actually crucial to understanding this uh, whole story. He was being interviewed by somebody and he was talking about Aleister Crowley on the, the cover. But the guy was like, well, if Aleister Crowley was so important, why is he kind of just in the back? Right. You know, he's kind of like third from the left. <laughs> and the argument was like, well, if you tur- if you flip the cover, he's on top. <laughs> I was like, wow. Um, so, I mean, there, that's the argument. That's just uh, just unbeatable logic. Everything has to be everything has to be flipped and reversed to understand the true meaning in, in rock and roll. Just like just take everything and then turn it backwards in some way. And then you get the answers to what they're really saying. Yeah. The one thing with the revert, the back masking is that they need to flip it upside down. Like you need oh, to like, true. look, it's yeah. you got to actually stand on your head right. and listen to it backwards <laughs> to get the true message. If you flip the Sgt. Pepper's uh, album cover, you'll see Paul is the only Beatle with his back to the camera. And George is pointing to the lyrics Wednesday morning at five o'clock as the day begins. The time of the crash that John sings about in a day in the life. He blew his mind out in a car. He didn't notice that the lights had changed. Now, you might be thinking, wait wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought he was decapitated driving along a country road with no traffic lights. And to that, I say it's artistic license, dummy. He's not going to always these clues aren't always going to be so obvious. You got to read between the lines. Yeah, he those lyrics, he blew his mind out in a car. He didn't notice the lights had changed. It, it sounds like he shot himself, actually, in, in his car with a revol- revolver, maybe? Mm. Because happiness is a warm gun? Anyone? No? All right. Sorry about yeah. it. Yeah. Had to fit those in. <sighs> Just ruined the whole vibe, Just frankly. Standard joke. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Next up is the album Magical Mystery Tour, which traces their survivor's guilt. Paul is on the cover in black with his arms outstretched in a crucifix pose. And, you know, look, I get you guys are grieving the loss of your bandmate in the most cryptic way possible, but it might be a bit early for the Jesus comparisons. That's I'm you know, I don't want to tell people how to grieve, but I guess I am telling them how to grieve. Yeah, let's leave the Jesus Beatles comparisons to John Lennon, you know, come on. Mm, Yep. Also, we learned all about this in our Hell's Bells bonus series. This is just standard Satanism and rock, really. Yeah, this is honestly they're trying. This is like a get out of jail free card for Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When the last judgment comes and God is like, look, what's up with the crucifix? He's like that. That wasn't me. Right. Yeah. At the end of Strawberry Fields Forever, you can hear John singing. I bury Paul. If you play Blue Jay way backwards, you can hear George Opine. Paul is what is. Paul is Harry Krishna. It seems Polly is bloody. <laughs> okay. Again, again, I, I want to reiterate that the story is that Paul McCartney is dead and that the grief is so hard. Right. That they have to hide these. That's <laughs> what this, this is an expression of grief. At the end of I Am the Walrus, the music concrete of recordings and John Lennon playing with the radio you can hear a gibberish chorus that may be chanting, Paul is dead. Ha ha. And again, this is how sad they are. <laughs> they had a chorus laughing about Paul McCartney's death. That is, you know, that was their, that was what they thought they ought to do. I think it's backwards. I think what happened was the only, like, Paul McCartney is the only real Beatle left. Everyone else is just imposters and the Beatles. Oh. It's like a reverse situation. 
it's funny because we're going to be talking about something similar to that. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's actually going to be coming up. Good. A BBC production of King Lear comes in at the end of I Am the Walrus and Mm -hmm. out of tune. But you can hear the dying Oswald lament. If ever thou wilt thrive, bury my body. And then the last clear words you hear before the song fades out. Oh, untimely death. All right, now we have, uh, before we get on to some of the other theories, because right now the main theory is that he just had an accident. The Beatles, they didn't want mass riots, so they hit it, but they were also grieving, so they hid these clues for their more mature audience members. Right. Before we get into that, we have a few more clues to kind of clean up before we get into that. Fred Labor said walrus is Greek for corpse. Other theories claim that walrus is a symbol of death in Eskimo culture. Now, neither is true. But on the White Album, when John Lennon sings, and here's another clue for you all, the walrus was Paul. Now, it, you know, it's a clue, so it sounds like it's, it has to do with this Paul's dead thing, but really, it's a clue for Paul's eternal place in furry culture. Oh. That's really <laughs> what they're saying here. Yeah. Paul was the first furry. Also, if you look closely on the Beatles' White Album, you will notice an empty white void representative of the empty void in the hearts of all his fellow Beatles now that the friend is dead. So there, that's another symbolic cover oh, that no one talks about. Yeah, that's a good point. I've never heard yeah. that. As a, I'm that's, at it right here. Yeah. That's perfect. In his first solo album, when John Lennon gets real bitchy, the song <laughs> How Do You Sleep at Night contains the lyrics, Those freaks was right when they said you was dead. Ooh. So I like using, so either, again, an expression of grief, or using this goofy conspiracy theory to make fun of, of Paul McCartney, either way. And also Paul's, Paul McCartney's post Beatles solo work is kind of cheesy and, and yeah. not very good. Right. But Paul in the Beatles was awesome. So what explains that? But it's not real. It's not real, Paul. Yeah. I mean, personally, I, I prefer fake Paul's early work, oddly enough, oh. even better than real Paul's only work prior. Oh. Yeah, but yeah, it's kind of controversial, but that's my stance. And we, you know, we can all pretty much agree. Let's be honest. Once fake Paul went solo, things kind of went downhill. I mean, yeah, it's it's never good. It's never good. There's also there's a lot of pictures where Paul is holding something in his right hand, even though he was left handed. Oh, my God. And sometimes his ears looked a little different. So, (laughs) Jesus. Later on, the day that John Lennon was murdered, Paul was caught by paparazzi. Asked to comment, he said simply, drag, isn't it? Obviously, if he was really Paul McCartney and his BFF had died, he'd have something profound to say because that's just grief 101. Get used to it. <laughs> Here's my new conspiracy theory. William Campbell murdered John Lennon. So Ooh, I, I, I'm going to one up you. So Paul was indeed replaced by William Campbell. Uh-huh. But Paul McCartney, he didn't die. Oh, he's he was just somewhere? usurped. Yeah, he was just usurped. And so wow. he had to live a regular life because, you know, how is he going to explain all this? And That's so true. the real Paul McCartney murdered John Lennon to get back uh, okay. at the Beatles. I'm going to go. I'm going to actually one up you there and um, say that Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney, like you said, didn't actually die, but was abducted by UFOs like the, the Travis story and fire in the sky. And he finally will come back down all naked in a gas station crying. So <laughs> oh, man. I did just watch us this weekend. So <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. All right. Yeah, that's that's clearly the true on one. That one. That's the true one. 
Okay, so let's get into some of the other accounts of what exactly happened with Paul McCartney. Let's start with one Tina Foster. Tina Foster self-published the book Plastic Macca. I guess Macca, it's M-A-C-C-A. Plastic Macca, The Secret Death and Replacement of Paul McCartney and maintains a blog called Plastic Macca. Tina Foster describes herself as an attorney and author and also believes coronavirus is a hoax, is really into UFOs, and she also believes some stuff about the Federal Reserve. And (laughs) you know what that means? I imagine the foremost problem is not far from her mind either. Oh, I'm sure. It also sounds like she's got that horrible affliction that, you know, thinking everything that's real is fake and everything that's fake is real. It's not good. Yeah, that's that's the worst. That's the worst affliction to have. She considers many theories on why and how Paul died and where the fake Paul or fall oh, yeah. came from. That's the other thing uh, we haven't mentioned yet is that fall is what they call yeah. the fake Paul William Campbell. F-A-U-L. But her thesis statement is this. The Illuminati killed Paul oh, yeah. because he was promoting too much joy and good vibes. <laughs> it is a true battle of good and evil. Quote, Paul, the lovable mop top beetle shown with high frequency love and light. His energy was triggering a shift in consciousness. This pattern of energy was captured in his beautiful feel-good music. Hearing such music helped the listener rise above the low energy that keeps people stuck in ignorance and hate. Paul, outside the dark side's control, was dancing to the beat of a different drum. Fall was the Illuminati's solution. He adopted Paul's name, identity, and mannerisms but the music he produced was very different. Gone were the uplifting and haunting melodies that activated the heart chakra. The new sound was intended to fracture energy and bring the listener down. Paul too took it to the whole new depths with Helter Skelter, the song that set the stage for even darker music to flourish. Yeah, exactly. Like the upcoming song, All You Need Is Love from the 1968 album Yellow Submarine. So that's- Hey, that was John Lennon. John Lennon was trying the best he could to keep the good vibes going. Good point. She also has a bunch of voice print analysis on the website, quote, proving that voice doubles were used for fall after 1966. Mm -hmm. We're just going to say, do your own research. Um, But we will leave you with these words of wisdom from Tina Foster, quote, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. Oh, boy. (laughs) Wow. Ah, that is clever. (laughs) Now, there is another theory about Paul's death, but it's actually even more extreme because according to this theory, none of the Beatles ever existed. There really was no Beatles. That's kind of like what I was saying. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They were played by various men and used as part of an MK Ultra-ish mind control program. They were continually swapped out with multiple men performing the roles of the Beatles, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, were always Illuminati puppets. From the beginning. From the beginning. And with that, the Beatles phenomenon was contrived by the Tavistock Institute, which is something that Kelsey just taught me about, which is the center of certain Illuminati conspiracies, and this is just one of the many that it's a part of. It's It's like the the EMI of Illuminati. Yeah, it's like the EMI. It's like if you combined EMI with Area 51. It's kind of like it's like another Area 51, like where people think a bunch of goofy shit is going on here, including the Beatles being uh, mind control. I wonder if do you think they have any other bands that they um, 
produce and put out that are fake from the beginning um, just to cause riots? Uh, probably all of them. They're probably all fake. Yeah. I'm going to say every band is fake. Definitely Garth Brooks. Like he's definitely part. I mean, or I'm sorry, Chris Gaines. Either one of those. Yeah. I feel like Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines is the Illuminati. Like they're, that's where yeah. they tried instead of replacing Garth Brooks. Yeah. They tried to alter his mind. Right. Right. To like to bring emo, out a different personality. Right, and Garth paint his Brooks nails is black constant. and wear his hair like in front of his eyes like that. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Because Garth Brooks has a pure soul. <laughs> And it has he doesn't want to be involved with that at all. And so he's constantly fighting. So if this if this is true, big if true, and if yeah. it's true, then Paul's identity would be of little consequence. Paul McCartney, as you know him, would simply be a cutout, a role that could be played by various actors and has been played by various actors. You know, because we might imagine that maybe there was a start to the Beatles. Maybe yeah. there was an initial group that the Tavistock Institute kind of, you know, usurped. Maybe there was at the very, very beginning an original Paul. And if that's the case, then you couldn't fail to appreciate the true extent of this tragedy. Paul, in point of fact, was uncontrollable. The Beatles were only approached by the Tavistock agents when their impact on the public came to the attention of certain high officials. Paul was unwilling to compromise his artistic integrity in furtherance of any outside agency. His position as a highly influential rock star who acted according to inspiration from his own heart painted a target on his back. Oof. Paul defied his would-be controllers rather than accept any interference in his creative output. Once it became clear that he would never submit, a control double was found. Fall, as the imposter is known, gladly took over Paul's life. Gladly. He inherited a prominent position in the public eye. From there, he could use or abuse that influence depending on one's viewpoint. Whereas Paul wanted to uplift humanity through his music, Paul used his popularity to promote the New World Order agenda. For example, he promoted LSD use, Obama, and the disarmament <laughs> agenda. Oh, and really cheesy solo music, too. That is, yeah, but I mean, it. it's Obama. He promoted Obama. Wow. Satan himself. Oof. Now, because Kelsey is deeply involved and wrote this essay, we have to talk about Flint because there's actually a Flint, Michigan connection to. The Paul is dead conspiracies, which is really fun because Flint, Michigan is actually the Bermuda Triangle of rock music, believe it or not. Oh, nice. Terry Knight, a Flint musician who had modest success with Terry Knight and the pack, worked briefly as a producer at Apple HQ in London, 1968. He came back with the single St. Paul, an homage to Paul threaded with samples from Strawberry Fields Forever, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and Hey Jude. The song super sounds like Paul had died, addressing Paul as a saint and in the past tense, quote, you knew it all along. Something had gone wrong. They couldn't hear your song of sadness in the air while they were crying out. Beware your flowers and long hair while you and Sergeant Pepper saw the writing on the wall. And so this is very much used as more evidence that Paul McCartney had died like he uh, Terry Knight went to. Apple HQ was like, oh, wait a minute. You're not Paul McCartney. This is all a ruse. Wow. And so then he wrote this wow. song and Terry Knight would later become the producer of Flint band Grand Funk Railroad. So that fucking rules. <laughs> now, there's one voice that we have not really brought in yet, and that's the voice of Paul McCartney slash Fall McFartney. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone else says McFartney, but I'm going to Fall McFartney. Do it. Yeah. What does he have to say about all this? What's going on? 
Well, uh, especially if we go back to the original accusation, which happened in 1969, he was not amused for some reason by the accusations of his death. In general, you shouldn't be accused of death. That I feel that's uh, that's not a way you want to go. Through it all, he initially he refused to dignify the conspiracy theory with a response, which made it worse. Unfortunately, that's kind of just what happens. Of course, he wouldn't say he wasn't dead. The dead don't give interviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all starting to sound an awful lot like something Fall would, you know, would do, not Paul. So that's yeah. um, just confirming. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's I think you're 100 percent correct. When Paul finally granted a brief interview in 1969, Life magazine sent a reporter and photographer out to the farm where Paul lived with his wife and two daughters. Yes, he confirmed, he was the real Paul McCartney and very much alive. He hmm. just took his shoes off for the Abbey Road picture because it was hot that day. Oh, yeah, too bad. Likely story fall. Hot asphalt on bare feet does not cool you down on a hot day. Yeah. Um, um, tried it. So, yeah, I, honestly, that is a bad explanation. I'm going to mm -hmm. go with that. That is a bad explanation because that is really <laughs> weird. I've lived in a I've lived in a hot desert uh, for a long time. Uh, you do not take off your shoes and, and socks and walk it's across the asphalt. It's almost like they're being creative and just want to do something weird for the album. It's almost like they're just being young kids having fun being like, hey, let's be crazy. I'm going to take my shoes off. Almost. But it's not. But it's definitely not. Something that deeper. can't be yep. right. Before excusing himself from the interview, Paul asked, can you spread it around that I am just an ordinary person and want to live in peace? Keyword live. I, I want to live. I don't want to be dead. Please. Yeah, I, please, please. I want. <laughs> I, I like this idea that Paul McCartney, in order for him to be alive, people have to believe he is alive. That's really that's what I want. And so that's what he's really worried about. He's like, fuck, they, they learned my secret that the more people think I'm dead, the more likely it is that I will die. I am. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to. He is definitely alive. He's definitely alive. You got to believe he's alive. But then here's the final kicker to all this. On the cover of the Life magazine featuring this interview, his oldest daughter, Heather, is holding up a sickle like the Grim Reaper. <laughs> and if you hold the cover of the magazine up to the light, the Volkswagen ad printed on the opposite side comes through as if it's driving through Paul's middle. <laughs> Vindicated, yeah, vindicated. So, yep, it's uh, it's, it's Fall McFartney all along. <laughs> and on that note, we are done with our episode on the Paul is Dead conspiracy. So, Brent, what did you learn in today's episode? What most stuck out to you? Um, I knew about the the whole Paul, you know, being being dead and the fall thing. I didn't know all this, um, these auxiliary little things about the Illuminati and how all the Beatles could be fake implants. Um, yeah, it's just it's amazing that that part I didn't know. Um, I do have to man, it has to be really, really such a mind fuck basically to be a person that's alive and everyone. I don't know. Everyone thinks you're dead. It's just like, what? Like how, you know? <laughs> Just try and put myself in his shoes. Yeah. Or not shoes, actually. I, it, but, yeah, yeah, definitely his non-shoes. His non-shoes. <laughs> his non-shoe wearing. Yeah. I, it's funny because Kelsey, yeah, Kelsey asked me a similar question. She asked me, how do you think Paul feels about all this? Right. And my response was that um, he probably feels like he has a billion dollars in the bank. <laughs> is my, uh, I think that's kind of how he feels yeah, about yeah. all this. Yeah, that kind of helps. That helps with it. What about you, Dylan? Did you, uh, anything else that you learned from this? One thing I really liked is the Flint stuff. The yeah, I, I had never heard cool. of yeah. this this Saint Paul 
record. Um, this is something uh, that, you know, because Kelsey is, is from Flint. She's always yeah. looking for kind of a Flint connections to things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the connection to Grand Funk Railroad is uh, super cool. Yeah. Um, so I think that was my kind of favorite bit here. I, I do also love the what I love about the um, there are no real Beatles is because, you know, it, one thing we didn't talk about it too much here because it's not very fun where people who think Paul McCartney died is there's a lot of like face comparisons. There's a lot of face and body comparisons between like before and after 1966. Yeah. To prove that it's a different person. Right. And one of the things that the there are no Beatles theory does is the same thing for all of them. Oh, wow. And so I really want that theory to go into the same room and explain like, look, I'm using your reasoning for Paul on all the Beatles. <laughs> and I want to know what they say about that. Yeah, and I want to see, see that, that debate, wanna... like at a university. Exactly. Those two people. Yeah. Going at it. I mean, you know, and let's I think MIT should do it. I mean, yeah. MIT, they featured the one and only uh, Time Cube. Right. Gene Gene, Ray. Yeah. Gene Ray. Uh, so, so why not? I mean, this seems a much more plausible, <laughs> which is pretty incredible. But yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that is uh, what fascinated me most. And so on that note, this has been. Our episode on the Paul is dead conspiracy. And you know what I'm going to say before we go? Yeah. Go to none ordinary.com. Join us on discord. Seriously. Join us on discord. You can uh, subscribe wherever you can send us an email. And Hey, if you want to become a patron, get weekly content instead of just the uh, fortnightly content, join us on there too. But with that all said, we are For listening to this episode of Done Dare Call It Ordinary. If you would also like to hear our weekly bonus episodes, just become a $5 a month patron over at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary. That is also where you'll find any blog posts, pictures, and news updates to go along with our regular series. And you don't even have to be a patron to get access to all that fun stuff. You can also reach us by email at none dare call it ordinary at gmail.com. Lastly, we ask for you to please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts are served.